Welcome to Upskill Talks, brought to you by McGraw-Hill. I'm your host, Michelle Shaw, lead upskiller at Upskill Community. Upskill Talks is a podcast for leaders. Leaders who are actively seeking innovative and creative ways to interact, lead themselves and others. In every episode, through real-life stories and enlightening conversations, we will explore the challenges and opportunities real leaders face in today's ever-changing workplace. We will present you with real strategies for you to leverage your soft skills and produce transformative results. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Let us begin. Let me share a story about Sam. He's a people manager who works at a company in Toronto's financial district, about two hours commute from his home. He has five children. They're ages three to about 14. Sam, his wife, and the kids, they live in a four-bedroom townhouse in a suburban community on the east side. He usually takes the train to work first thing in the morning. And at that time in the mornings, there are very few commuters. So except for the train's attendance announcements, it's usually a silent ride into the city. His morning commute was the only solid hour of quiet time that Sam could carve out of a day. His 20-minute walk from the station to his office was his entire fitness regimen. He made sure, as much as possible, to keep regular lunch dates with his sister at least three days a week because she lived on the opposite end of the city but worked in an office close by to him. So it was very convenient for them to really keep in touch. And that was one of his favorite things to do in the city. Then came the pandemic. The morning of the first day of lockdown, Sam got up ahead of his household as usual, got his coffee and was ready for his day. A couple hours later, his three youngest children, also on lockdown, came running into the kitchen where he was working at his counter quietly. So he moved to the family room, but found his wife was already online and working in there. His oldest son was in the dining room. The main floor was already really busy and it was only 7 a.m. Sam started looking up at the stairs. He was going to have to spend the entire day in his bedroom. The master bedroom was in the middle of a renovation project that he had started a couple of weeks earlier. He couldn't show that messy background on video. He was the leader of his team. He didn't want them to see the chaos that was his bedroom. That was his life. He always presents neat and tidy and well put together. No need to break that perception right from the jump. It was in disarray at every angle and he tried. But the house was getting more noisy with the kids and his wife was getting into their day. Work needed him. His team needed him. His standing eight o'clock meeting with his boss, the CEO, was about to start. They had some strategizing to work through for the pivot to remote working. Everyone at work was feeling anxious and he had to show up. Sam was concerned about inviting her into his home. He quickly sat up in a corner of his bedroom and nervously logged on for the call. 
the CEO greeted him warmly and took time to ask how his family was doing. Only five minutes into the meeting, his three-year-old twins ran through the bedroom door and whined in unison, Dad, I'm bored. The realities that the pandemic imposed on us at home were certainly not identical for everyone. Some were delighted to be home. Others were terrified and couldn't wait to get out of the house. The way you are at work doesn't always translate well at home. To a greater or lesser extent, you may relate to Sam's experience. Being suddenly forced to fit work into home, home into work, gave new meaning to work-life balance. Juggling pet care, child care, team care, self-care at once while working. Strategically planning trips to the supermarket in between meetings before the lines grew ridiculously long. All of that presented its own type of challenge. Waiting until the weekends was just not a viable option for many of the chores that we have as part of our domestic life. Maybe you had a team member who struggled to navigate their own new normal while trying to give their best level of performance, and the new normal seemed to change every week. Home had to shift to fit work. Sometimes we conceptualize work-life balance like a scale. Work hanging on one side and life, including life at home, on the other. A compartmentalization to help us cope. We were forced to deal with our own personal lives, unable to escape to the office. We were forced to introduce the members of our households to our work and to our at-work personas much more intimately. We had to connect with our places of work and our colleagues at work a little differently. People on the front line had to create a new space to be between home and work in order to protect families. One perspective was working from home felt real. Working in a space where most of the time we can take off our masks, where we don't feel like we're performing a role on a stage recognizing that work can be performed without that mask. Bring the kids or pets to work took a whole new meaning. You were freed to just be in your home while doing your work. No daycare. We're parents and the kids are part of who we are. The kids passed in and through our virtual meetings and that was okay. We lived and we produced. We learned how to function at home apart from each other, yet with each other. Another perspective was that home is where the mask is worn. Home is where the performance happens. And that performance was stressful, 24 hours a day with nowhere to go to be real, like work. Nowhere to go to avoid the stressors that we need to escape. Home is stress for some and peace for others. We had to confront these new realities. The result is discomfort or comfort. So we sit with the comfort or discomfort of the newly configured work home. We're coming together to get work done from varied perspectives, experiences, and struggles. Nothing new. To a greater or lesser extent, we've always worked as individuals, separated by our experiences, but getting things done together. 
proximity is not a sufficient ingredient for separation. However, the sense of separation gets sharper. The separation presents a unique challenge for leaders to lead as this pulls at our ability to understand, to share, to have the sensitivity for the situations and the feelings of others, to connect when we want to, when we need to. How do we lead confidently in this new reality? Leadership in a post-pandemic world will require that we pay closer attention and learn more about ourselves, learn more about others, and learn more about the environments that shape us. Rethinking and reframing what work means for us and how work might get done differently, reflecting on our values more clearly, reflecting on our mindsets, and continue to shift them to come to terms with working as our whole person, working more fully as who we actually are. You may be reluctant to go back to what you used to do and who you used to be, because in the process you may have found the courage to step out and take on things you had been thinking about doing. Things like this podcast and upskill community, in my case. Exercising empathy is a key lever to access. As leaders, we need to lead in more real ways, aware of the real situations that impact our people and the real people who perform the work. How can we integrate greater empathy and community into our leadership toolkit? How do we as leaders reconstruct our understanding of ourselves, our people, and our roles? What does this mean for how we work with each other? It was refreshing for many people to meet their co-workers' families, enter their homes, even virtually, and connect on a more personal level, having a better idea of who you were working with when this was possible. We have met each other's pets, the kids, the art, the sounds, the backgrounds, and not everyone was comfortable letting others in. We observed the socioeconomic disparities that exist in our teams, the real challenges that impact our colleagues, that may have been overlooked at one point, but in this climate, difficult to overlook. What we learned in the process is that there is more to our people than we see on the outside. What do we mean when we talk about empathy? Empathy is not one thing. It's not expressed, experienced, or expected in one way by all people. Daniel Goleman refers to three types of empathy. Cognitive empathy, which is understanding your own feelings. Emotional empathy, which is being able to physically feel what someone else is experiencing. And empathetic concern, which is to feel it for someone, to understand what it must be like to be them. In order to deliver high-quality empathetic solutions, we have to get good at reading signals, clues, but because a lot of clues are very culturally specific, it takes work to learn about important signals, the ones that we're missing, the ones that we don't come wired with, the ones that we don't have the knowledge with. 
but we have to learn to pick them up along the way. Much like digital games that allow you to pick up stars and armors and special recognitions and protection based on certain experiences, we pick up superpowers and these stronger empathetic lenses as we engage and learn more about differences and the ways in which people express, understand, and experience empathy. Know your default style of empathy and know when it's appropriate. Other styles may be appropriate in different situations, so draw on the appropriate style to match the situation. Sam has reimagined his day and still goes for a walk in the morning to combine his quiet time and exercise. The children have dedicated workstations, and he and his wife have claimed the living and dining rooms. All his co-workers now know his children, and he knows their children and pets. Sam says he was so amazed at how productive he has been, even with all the additional responsibilities at home. Yet he's anxious to get back to work, to connect with his people, and to see his sister more frequently. Leaders, you are resilient. You adjust, you make it work. But you also want to get back to being you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Upskill Talks, brought to you by McGraw-Hill. We bring you new episodes every Monday. Please take a moment to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and a written review at Apple Podcast. Or follow us on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to share Upskill Talks with other leaders like yourself so they too may gain the skills and insights to produce amazing results. Please go to upskillcommunity.com to review show notes and learn how you can join a community of leaders from across the globe collaborating to lead in a more meaningful and impactful way. I'm your host, Michelle Shaw. And again, thank you for joining me on this episode of Upskill Talks.